Today in Business from Wired. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is the Spoken Edition of Wired. Brought to you by Quip. The Quip electric toothbrush is the only electric toothbrush that supports your tech briefing and is used by millions of happy, healthy mouths. Quip's electric toothbrush has sensitive sonic vibrations with a built-in timer and 30-second pulses. Plus, a new brush head, floss refill, and toothpaste are delivered every three months to keep your brush fresh. Set start at $25. Get your first refill free at getquip.com wired. Get quip.com wired. When school is online, the digital divide grows greater. Most U.S. schools are closed, with instruction shifting to the Internet. That's a problem for millions of people without reliable broadband, including 20% of rural students. By Clint Finley. Like many students around the world, Nora Medina is adapting to online learning. But Medina, a high school senior in Quincy, Washington, who also takes classes at a local community college, faces an additional challenge. She doesn't have reliable internet service at home. She lives seven miles outside of town, where she says neither cable nor DSL internet is available. She can access the internet on her phone, and her family has a wireless hotspot, but she says the service isn't up to the task of doing homework online. It's hit and miss, she says. Sometimes I can watch a video, but sometimes I can't even refresh a page or it will take minutes to load something on a page. Washington Governor Jay Inslee this week said the state schools will be closed for the rest of the school year. Quincy High School is still planning how best to help students finish the year. But Medina's classes at Big Bend Community College have shifted online. I'm just going to hope the hotspot works and wish for the best for my final quarter, she says. If that doesn't work, I'll do my work from my car in the parking lot at the library to access their Wi-Fi. Medina is one of millions of people in the U.S. who lack reliable broadband internet at home, either because they can't afford it or because it simply isn't available where they live. 
this digital divide has always left children and adults alike with fewer educational and economic opportunities. But with schools, libraries, and workplaces closed during the coronavirus pandemic, those without broadband are struggling to access schoolwork, job listings, unemployment benefit applications, and video chat services that others use to keep in touch with friends and family. For those on the wrong side of the digital divide, working from home isn't an option. The Federal Communications Commission says more than 650 broadband internet providers, telephone companies, and trade associations have signed its Keep America Connected pledge to not terminate internet service over pandemic-related financial troubles, to waive late fees, and to allow free access to Wi-Fi services. Comcast said it would offer free access to its broadband service for low-income households, normally priced at $10 a month, for 60 days. And Charter said it would offer free Internet access for students for 60 days. But these offerings are available only in locations where those companies already provide service. It's hard to gauge the extent of the problem. In a report last year, the FCC estimated that 21.3 million people had no access to broadband Internet service at the end of 2017. But the report, based on self-reported data from broadband providers, considers an entire census block to have service if a single broadband provider claims to offer service anywhere within the census block, even if most homes within the area can't get service. Critics have long pointed out that this method likely underestimates the number of people without access to broadband. A report published last year by Microsoft estimated that 162.8 million people in the U.S., about half the population, don't use broadband internet, whether because it's unavailable where they live or they can't or won't pay for access. A survey commissioned by Microsoft and the National 4-H Council found that 20% of rural youth lack access to broadband at home, regardless of whether it's available where they live. How schools are coping The digital divide creates a challenge for teachers and administrators who know some students can't easily follow online lessons. Berkeley, California schools closed in the middle of March, but the district didn't begin online classes until Monday. In the interim, public schools superintendent Brent Stevens said officials had to work out how to accommodate special needs students, adjust union contracts, and plan lessons for 16,000 students. But Stevens says equity has been a concern, too. He estimates that about 5% of the district's students lack reliable internet access at home, and about 30% need devices suitable for online learning. He says the district has distributed more than 2,000 Chromebooks to students and ordered wireless hotspots for students who don't have reliable internet access at home, though it's not clear when those hotspots will be available. In the meantime, the district is still considering how to get learning resources to students without internet access. Some schools are employing low-tech solutions. Bandon School District on Oregon's southern coast plans to deliver and collect physical packets of learning materials and assignments to the 18% of students who Superintendent Doug Ardiana says lack Internet at home. When Oregon Governor Kate Brown closed schools on March 12th, Bandon schools sent out supplemental learning assignments that didn't need to be returned. Now, schools will be closed for the rest of the school year, and schools are supposed to offer distance learning programs, including graded assignments. To prepare students for those assignments, teachers are filming lessons that students can watch from home over the Internet. It's a whole new thing, says Courtney Weiner, a third-grade teacher at Ocean Crest Elementary in Bandon. I'm not used to hearing my voice recorded. 
For students who lack internet access, the school will send packets of materials to their homes, either through the mail or with school bus drivers wearing protective gear. Students who can use them will get DVDs or thumb drives with the recorded lectures. Weiner says that includes all of her students. Others will have to depend on written materials. Weiner says the parents of her students who lack broadband internet will take pictures of completed assignments with their phones and send them to her for grading. Students in the district who can't return assignments that way will send completed assignments back with bus drivers or the postal service, and someone at their school, also wearing protective gear, will scan the assignments and upload them to a server that teachers can access from home. Teachers will review and correct the assignments and print them out, and the corrected assignments will go back to the students three days later. A $20 billion fix for a $70 billion problem. The FCC has spent billions in recent years in the name of closing the digital divide. But that divide persists in part because the agency has repeatedly underestimated the scope of the problem, says FCC Commissioner Jessica Rosenworcel. How do we know we're sending money to the right places, she asks. The Rural Digital Opportunity Fund, which replaces a previous initiative called the Connect America Fund, gives carriers money to build broadband in communities that lack access to connections of at least 10 megabits per second. It's set to send $20.4 billion over 10 years to carriers to expand rural broadband access. But John Windhausen Jr., executive director of the school's Health and Libraries Broadband Coalition, says the Fiber Broadband Association estimated last year that it will cost $70 billion to bring fiber optic networks to 90 percent of the U.S. by 2025. Beyond the pledges from carriers to not cut off service, the FCC has permitted libraries and public schools to offer public Wi-Fi while the buildings are closed without risking FCC funds, and has moved to dedicate a large chunk of spectrum for unlicensed Wi-Fi use instead of auctioning off licenses for it. Advocates say that could make it easier to provide wireless broadband services in rural or low-income areas. But critics say the FCC in recent years has impeded efforts to close the digital divide. Last year, the FCC voted to auction off wireless spectrum that had been reserved for schools to the highest bidder, which Windhausen says will make it harder for schools, local governments, and nonprofits to use that spectrum to create their own wireless services. The FCC in 2017 also slowed the planned expansion of the Lifeline program, which has been subsidizing access to telecommunication services for low-income households since 1985. The Obama administration had expanded the program to include Internet access. One of Ajit Pai's first moves as FCC chair was to pause the addition of several broadband providers to the Lifeline program. Still, several wireless providers now advertise Lifeline-supported mobile data plans. In 2017, the agency published what's known as a Notice of Proposed Rulemaking that, in the name of cracking down on waste and fraud in the program, proposed limiting how much assistance Lifeline subscribers can receive and banning resellers from participating in the program. Advocacy group Public Knowledge estimated that about 70 percent of Lifeline enrollees use resellers. The FCC has yet to publish a final version of the proposal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.